Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. If you had one of the finest minds with the most experience and the credibility of owning the number one options firm on Wall Street, would you listen to their analysis of the American market? Legendary trader Victor Sperandio is our guest on Talking Trading today. He appeared last year on the show and today we speak to him about the January 26th all-time high of the S&P 500 and its first sell-off of any consequence in over a year and what he thinks that means for the American market. Has debt in the US economy reached a tipping point? Interviewing Victor is a privilege. Trader Vickers is known, has been called the ultimate Wall Street pro and the man of all markets by Barron's Magazine. We also look at where his eagle eye is looking for opportunities at the moment in the markets. And he gives three pieces of advice for traders. But first, let's kickstart the show with another trading legend as we play another game of Guess Who in Mind Power with Louise Bedford. Let's play a game of Who Am I? I'm going to give you some pertinent details about a specific trader's life and you need to guess who it is. This gentleman, he added to his multi-million dollar fortune by short selling in 1907 and 1929. He was actually worth $100 million in 1929 and if you adjust that for inflation, That is $1.39 billion in today's dollars. He was a trend follower. He worked alone. He's famous for the quote, the trend will go further than you can possibly imagine. He was married three times. It was incredibly tumultuous. He had a catastrophic house fire. He committed suicide by shooting himself in the head at a hotel. His suicide note said, I am unworthy of your love, I am a failure, and he addressed that to his third wife. At the time of his death, his estate was estimated to be $5 million in $1940. And if you guessed Jesse Livermore, you are correct. You need to read Edwin Lefebvre's reminiscences of a stock operator and if you can get the annotated version because that has photos of Jesse Livermore's life. It talks about extreme wealth gathered through trading and it's a living example of why working 
on your own trading psychology is absolutely essential. Feel worthy of your profits. Nurture your relationships and your support system. Don't take losses personally and most of all stay in the game. You'll love that book, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. Victor Sperandio is a legendary trader and well-known financial commentator. He has over 45 successful years on Wall Street. One of his companies, Ragnar Option Corporation, did more volume than any other over-the-counter security option dealer, not only in the USA, but around the world. As well as trading independently for 45 years, Victor has also traded on behalf of legendary names such as George Soros and Leon Cooperman. Victor has been featured twice in Barron's magazine. In September 1987, he famously predicted the Wall Street crash and he has, of course, been featured in Jack Schwager's New Market Wizards. He is widely known as Trader Vic in Wall Street and we couldn't have a finer mind to discuss his macro analysis of the US market. We welcome Victor to the show. Victor Sperandio, the ultimate Wall Street pro. Hello and welcome back to Talking Trading. Well, thank you, Carolyn. It's a pleasure to be speaking to you again, sincerely. Thanks, Victor. January 26, 2018, the S&P hits an all-time high, and then it experiences its first major sell-off of any consequence in over a year. Victor, let's talk about the background to the sell-off. Okay. Well, the background coming into it was a very unique uh, which after uh, Trump was elected or a few days before was the low, the market proceeded to go what I'll call straight up, and I'll define that for 455 days, which is a record for 133 years. Now, the definition of straight up is a, a movement upwards without a 3% close-to-close correction. And uh, that the the last record was in ninety four ninety five when the when the Republicans took the House and the Senate and Bill Clinton was president and that was three hundred and seventy days so this beat the record by twenty three percent and is the longest straight up move uh, in in history so it, it led to this um, it led me to conclude that. Because so many people were making money and long and there were virtually no shorts that were breathing, uh, that you would have a kind of a V-top or a top that was not typical classically via a pattern, you know, rolling or a, a broadening top or a head and shoulders top or one of those classical tops and the market would just fall, which is the way it, 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 it ended so far you had a correction back up, which is, again, normal. Most indices rallied 50%, uh, maybe a tad more and so far, and uh, the NASDAQ a little bit more than that, almost making a new high. But really led by, by NASDAQ, is, it's got 100 stocks, and it's all, the, it's all Amazon, Netflix, Apple kind of stocks, Google so it really is a handful of stocks that dragged it towards almost making a new high, which it didn't. Let's talk about debt and Congress. 
and the amount of government debt that's been extended and how large the debt can grow? Well, okay, a little context. Debt has been a talking point uh, for traders and investors that care about such things for a long, long time. Now, we've never had this quantity of debt and actually, um, you know, Japan has more uh, in terms of debt to GDP ratios of about 250 percent. We're only at 100. We'll be at 110 percent uh, debt to GDP as of September is the projection. But debt at this point is an issue because you can't uh, no one can logically say that you can borrow an unlimited amount of money and keep doing that forever without at some point it being an issue. And the key is what is the some point? So in my belief, these debts that come nine years after recovery uh, that are going to be this year, it's going to be approximately a trillion ended September because we're on a fiscal year basis. And next year it'll be a trillion two fifty. Uh, uh, so at the at, in in uh, July of two nineteen, we will have one hundred and twenty one months, assuming it lasts that long without a recession, and you will uh, be at peak debt deficits and peak debt. And you know the odds of a recession after that are extremely high. We've never had gone longer. So the key is, is debt, and this everyone in the world who cares about America, and it'll affect everybody, is is debt a, at a tipping point? Is this too much debt? I mean, that's a question you, sh- you got to ask. Is it? Well, I, I believe it is, and I believe it will have effects on the market. That's the only key is that will it affect the market? And the reason, okay, since the U.S., among other central banks, but in this case, the U.S. has a printing press. And let me give you a little history because I've studied this in detail. If you are a country and you're selling debt outside to outsiders, like Argentina, for example, has sold a lot of debt to to, uh, offshore buyers, it is very conceivable they'll default because you're you don't care. They don't vote. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're leaving somebody holding the bag that has no effect on you per se. However, when you have a printing press and the, the citizens of your country own a great deal of the debt, you print the money away. You don't default. So the U.S. will never default. It will attempt to print and print and print, and and it will cause a, a huge amount of inflation, a decline of the dollar, uh, excessively so to other countries. But it, it, that's the end game. So, in my view, you you are at this tipping point because, unlike up till now, the Fed could buy the debt, right? So, you, you've got a printing press, and you've got a buyer of the debt, so you can issue a lot of it. But in this case, the Fed, and it was reiterated today in an interview with the new chairman, that the Fed is going to be selling its balance sheet uh, to reduce it to about half. It's now at about $4.4 trillion, 
And over several years, it's going to go down to about $2.2 trillion. So instead of the Fed being a buyer, it's, it says it's going to be a seller. Now, if that's the case, like, for example, next year, there's going to be a trillion eight hundred billion of debt being floated. Now, I mean, you see, at some point it becomes absurd. Now, let me give you a number that's a kind of I mean, this is kind of where the coup de gras comes from. If this starting 219 because of this tax cuts and because of the uh, aggressive spending on defense, among other things, you're going to have approximately a twenty three trillion dollar U.S. debt. Total debt, uh, not not including off balance sheet. They don't count that, which is things like student loans and Amtrak and post office and Fannie Mae. I mean, they just don't count that. I do, but it, let's just use those numbers. So, if it's twenty three million, the last research report that the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, put out shows a ten year increase in spending of five point two percent per year. So if you have $23 trillion and they project out 10 years, if you spent what they said they were going to spend as of June of last year, you're going to get the $38 trillion. So, I mean, that's in, in my world impossible. And that doesn't account a recession. They don't assume a recession. If there's a recession, it will be easily $50 trillion. Now, the reason why this is impossible is you got to think about, well, what about – interest on that debt because you got to pay the interest and you can't print the interest. Those are the two key things. You can't print interest and you can't uh, 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 and you're going to have a recession and your baseline is now 23 trillion. So you're going to get to 38 trillion according to if nothing goes wrong and there's nothing extra. So the fact that the Fed is selling and you can't print interest leads me to believe the debt now is at a tipping point, but no one in Congress except Ron Paul, Rand Paul, uh, you know, cares about the debt. Alex de Tocqueville's observation, the American Republic will endure until the day Congress discovers that it can bribe the public with the public's money. Yes, that uh, he wrote that in uh, Discovering America. He was a brilliant man, and that was a great book, um, and, and that is true, and and this is the point. If you have, let's call it the Democrats, which which are which want to spend, the Republicans, are, whether they do or they don't, they're doing it, but they're being dragged into it. Because if you're a Democrat and you offer free stuff, uh, if you're a Republican, you got to go along with that. Otherwise, the Democrats keep winning. So everything is moving to the left across the United States. And judging by your T-shirt, that's not something you want. Well, I'm, I'm very sad for the country and sad for the children of the country because things will get much worse for them. And I feel that I was very fortunate being born, you know, in the, in the mid-40s and having the ability to, to – you know, have a, 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 a great life. And that I attribute to the founding fathers. So what happens when a country is dragged down the tubes like this, and you're going to come up with eventually the end game is hyperinflation. Normally, after every hyperinflation, 
you get you don't get uh, people going back to the constitution you get a dictator that's what you usually get napoleon came about after the first uh, hyperinflation was the french revolution of course germany got hitler and you know it, it it never works out well it seems when you go through horrible times somebody with a who's got a, a good voice and he's got rhetoric to speak that voice he he cons the people and it becomes uh it becomes authoritarian uh, an authoritarian state so that's not good your T-shirt says, government didn't build my business. That's for the listeners who can't see it. In your description, to Australians, it sounds like you're describing Donald Trump. Well, he's not, believe it or not, he is not a, 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 a dictator or an authoritarian. Everything that the judges, and incorrectly so, have stopped him from doing, he's abided by. Uh, I mean, he's said, OK, now a dictator would say, you know, he would make a case for for uh, impeaching these judges and he's not going to do it. But he's gone along with everything according to the book and even wrongfully so. I mean, some there's over three thousand three hundred judges. Can you imagine a judge interfering in 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 something that is given to the power of the president in Article two of the Constitution? And they override that, and he goes with it and fights it in court. Now, he's not an authoritarian. He's a, just a very strong, egotistical, businesslike guy. Let's talk about the derivatives bubble and how large they are, because the well, figures are mind-blowing. This is, this is the, uh, what no one talks about and, and is, again – what I'm focusing on is, you know, not euphoria, but risk. Now, the derivatives market, which is lower than it was, okay, it's gone down a bit, but it's still in the potentially quadrillion category, a trillion trillion is a quadrillion. And the derivatives market in interest rates, and this relates back to this debt, if you're, if the Fed is a seller of debt, and the government is selling new debt, and you're going to get a trillion eight next year, about a trillion two this year, a trillion three this year with the Fed selling. You know, you're, you're talking about uh, these astronomical amounts of numbers that are going to be coming out, and the derivatives that are interest rate sensitive. And the estimate here is uh, 450 trillion. Um, uh, worth of 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 this uh, derivatives is out there. So if the bond market crashes, okay, if if it goes down because of all this selling, it will cause these interest rate swaps. You've heard the term, and you know people swap short term for long term to get extra yield, and of course they're long the long end, and their collateral is the short end. And what happens is there could be a blow up of magnitudes that we don't know and cause the banks to go down the tubes again, similar to Lehman Brothers 208. So there's lots of risk. It's just that it's not in the limelight because there's been so much good news on the stock market. People who are in, in Wall Street are making so much money, they don't focus on the negatives. Has debt finally overwhelmed the economy? It, it it hasn't yet, but it it is beginning to, 
And I think that was the sign we saw of the market selling off because it was basically because there was a a very good number in wage increases, which the Fed sees as inflationary, and therefore it causes them to raise rates faster. And if interest rates are going up, we've had, you know, eight years of zero interest rates effectively. And so now that changes the game across the world. And in September, the ECB is going to stop their QE program. So things are changing. I, I think that is really something that people are not focusing on. They've had such euphoria uh, that, that uh, you know, it's hard for them to think differently because that's all they've experienced. It's like having a girlfriend and never having a fight for two years and saying, well, it's going to be like this forever. <laughs> it usually doesn't work out that way. All right. So market insights from Victor. Victor, where does your eagle eye land on the markets at the moment? To traders, what would you be looking at? Well, the the, the worst case is to have a, a mixed portfolio of longs and shorts. Now, for example, I've recommended shorting the dollar and shorting bonds because the, the U.S. government has stated clearly it wants the dollar down to help offset the trade deficit and to help GDP growth. So usually when the government wants something, they get it. So the dollar going down has been something that uh, our Secretary of the Treasury, Mnuchin, said clearly their logic, that's their policy. So the dollar is definitely going down in my world. Bonds are going down because interest rates are rising. <clears throat> so those are, those are shorts. The longs, uh, although wouldn't apply to today after the chairman spoke, but the most undervalued investments are the grains and the precious metals. They haven't done much in the last six years. So they're the way I view them, they're undervalued. Now, if the dollar goes down, of course, it helps commodities. They trade inversely. So my longs are commodities. My shorts are the dollar and bonds. Stocks, um, I'd, be, I'd be either trading. And trading meaning I think that you're going to go into a, a volatility kind of pattern where if you go up, you sell the short stocks. If they go down, you buy them. My range is two and a half to three percent, but not you know your hundred percent of your allocation. Now, a more probably prudent way to do this is to be long the stronger stocks like the Nasdaq, Amazon, uh, Netflix, Apple. Those kinds of stocks have done very well and still continue to do well. And being short other stocks, I'm not going to necessarily give you a list because it. I'm generalizing here, but the retailers and things like that, which are coming back, are going to slow down again if, if all this happens. So my, really a, a portfolio where you're, you're long 50% of the stronger stocks, short 50% of the weaker stocks, or you trade, or you short on the way up, you buy on the way down with the, with the assumption that right now you're going through a corrective phase in stocks that's going to be a trading range, not a trend range. And keep in mind the one overriding rule, do not go short during the last hour of trading. Right, yes, that that, that is a, a loser because you, the Fed sometimes wants to come in and, and, and uh, help stocks out because they don't want to crash. So when they do these, these uh, programs, which they're, 
which they started after 87 uh, with this uh, thing called the plunge protection team, the PPT, they do that in the last hour to mark stocks up. So if you're short in the last hour, uh, unless it's a planned strategy, you you don't want to short into the last hour. Usually that's very strong if they're going up. Last three pieces of advice to traders in the American market at the moment. Well, let me give you one fallacy that I think I didn't say in the last time we spoke, but is kind of like at the top of my list of fallacies. And that is having lots of money will help you. If the economies fall apart, as this debt suggests, and the, the way to understand this is to go back in time and look what happens when debt has overwhelmed economies. It turns into hyperinflation. Cash or money it doesn't help you because you lose its va- it loses its value in one month. Uh, the definition of hyperinflation is 50% in a month. So if you're worth $100 million and you go to hyperinflation, now you're worth $50 million. So the, the greatest fallacy is to think – that you have lots of money and you're safe. Really, you're only safe if you have a mixture of gold with your cash. And some, you know, I would say 10% to 20%, but five will will save you, you know, if you go through hyperinflation. So that's that's a great fallacy. And this goes to, you know, investors as well as traders. But trading is, if you're a trader, like I say, I think you go, you go with a theme, and that theme is, is the market temporarily topped? I say it is as a whole, and you buy the strong stocks when, when the market's down, and you sell them when they're up, and the range here is 25 to 3%. That's where you begin. You sell, if, you're, if your unit size is, is, is 10, you sell 25 every time the market goes up 25 to 3%. And then you buy them when they come down and you trade and you take little pieces out of the market. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.